0: Hey everybody, welcome in to another episode of Real Sports Talk by Naraj, hope you're all doing really well, snowy day, cold, and obviously a lot of things that are continuing to be talked about and will continue to be talked about as the sports calendar and year goes on. And so, today's episode, I want to talk about a couple of things, talk about the NBA, talk about the NFL, and the latest breaking news from the NFL as we have another quarterback on the move and very significant because you know there's expected to be a lot of quarterback movement this offseason in the NFL but the way that has been taking place I mean some of the things that are, have transpired I mean it definitely is leading to more excitement and intrigue heading towards the March seventeenth date when the league year starts in the NFL so the biggest breaking news of Today in the NFL is Carson Wentz has been traded to the Indianapolis Colts. The Philadelphia Eagles will be getting a 2021 third-round pick and a 2022 second-round pick that could become a first-round pick if Carson Wentz and the, and the Colts are in the postseason and he plays most of the snaps, things like that. So, I mean, what a change of events for Carson Wentz. I mean... You know, he had a great promising start to his NFL career. Um, you know, he had that injury in which he led the Eagles to, you know, an 11-2 record in 2017. Got hurt, got the ACL injury, which was tough to see. Nick Foles stepped in that the Eagles team to the championship um, against the New England Patriots. And, you know, Carson Wentz was given a contract extension. He was paid. To be their future quarterback. You know, for years to come. And he just really regressed. The last couple of seasons. Now there's a couple of things for that. I mean one. He just wasn't able to have the same kind of footwork. Same kind of ability to like. Make those big time throws and plays. He was turning the ball over quite a bit. Which we know that. You know if you turn the ball over a lot. You're not going to be successful. Um, and especially the quarterback position. You know you're supposed to have yourself like. Supposed to really do a good job of just, you know, be effective and, you know, he just had a career low this past year with, you know, 16 touchdowns only and 15 interceptions in 12 games. When Carson Wentz was at his best in 2017, he threw 33 touchdowns, 7 picks. And so, you know, he went through that stretch where, you know, he started off great, had the injury, came back and was able to do some good things. But... Over time, he just continued to regress in terms of like mechanics and getting the ball down the field, making the right play at the right time, Um, and he really uh, struggled to, uh, you know, give that kind of confidence to Doug Peterson, who was the head coach, to play him as he wanted to play him. So, you know, he obviously has a lot of promising talent and ability to be a quarterback. He is 28 and. You know, maybe a change of scenery is what was best for Carson Wentz in Philadelphia or from Philadelphia to Indianapolis. Um, and at this point, the Colts are more of in a position of a team that can maybe win with Carson Wentz. But there's a lot of things that will go into that. So looking at Carson Wentz, he was at his best in 2016-2017 with Frank Reich, uh, who is now the head coach of the Colts. Frank Reich came from Philadelphia and he worked with Carson Wentz in his first two years in the NFL. So the Colts are banking on Frank Reich and his ability to get Carson Wentz to play better and be more effective and recapture that kind of um, style that he was playing with prior to his injuries and prior to all the changes that the Eagles had around him. Just look at Philadelphia over the past couple of years, they were a team that was all about winning now and building their defense a certain way bringing in certain veterans and I think the biggest thing that really affected Carson Wentz was the the drafting of Jalen Hurts from Alabama last year. Jalen Hurts coming off you know a very impressive college career was brought in you know to the Eagles and it just felt like Carson Wentz at that point just could not you know, understand or want to understand like the reason why they would do that kind of thing, where they thought they would get him more help in the wide receiver position or running back. They went with the quarterback who, very successful in Alabama, but you know, he obviously was just brought there um, for a situation like this probably. And the Eagles kind of foresaw Carson Wentz regressing, and they wanted to motivate him and push him in the right directions. Doug pearson did a lot of great things to try to help Carson Wentz, but you know at some point quarterbacks either have to like be able to like show that consistency and greatness that they are capable of doing without their coach always being on them and so we saw what happened with Sean McVay and Jared Goff and the same thing can say about Doug Pearson and Carson Wentz their working relationship got worse after Nick Foles departed from Philadelphia Doug Pearson tried his best to make Carson Wentz best quarterback he could be but Carson Wentz wasn't able to show a lot um he was never able to do a good job in terms of um executing certain play calls and uh you know we just saw Carson Wentz not look like the way he was supposed to look you know obviously i mean the supporting cast around Carson Wentz was tough a couple of years yes um but they were in a division this year they were it was a very winnable division for the Eagles they had the same coach, the same continuity, and Carson once was not able to play um, and didn't show enough to make the Eagles believe in him. So when he ended up getting benched and replaced by Jalen Hurts, I mean Jalen Hurts sparked that team, uh, and he sparked them in a way in which the Eagles really felt good about him. He moved the ball much better. He didn't. I mean he had his, he had some mistakes, but Jalen Hurts showed some kind of promise as Eagles, you know, quarterback. And so Carson Wentz, you know, coming from being drafted number two in the 2016 NFL draft and, like, going from, you know, watching Nick Foles win that Super Bowl championship and then trying to come back and, like, he was always trying to make the home run play as a quarterback. And sometimes with quarterbacks, you know, you love to see them throw the ball deep and, you know, get big plays. But... The the best quarterbacks in the game find ways to win, um, even by doing like the small things. So it's not all about the arms, talent. It's all about like being effective, not turning the ball over. You have to maybe be a game manager before you can be a greatest pro quarterback. There's been many examples of quarterbacks over the years that need the right system, the right play calling, and necessary weapons around them to succeed. And I think Carson Wentz never had that in Philadelphia. And when he did have it um you know he wasn't able to do so much I I felt like this year the Eagles were probably in a better spot than most of the NFC East teams in terms of their roster and the the same kind of team they were going to be able to like win the division but we saw Washington win the division with you know Alex Smith and Heineke and I mean we just saw like a lot of teams step up in ways that you love to see. And so, this is a huge gamble for the Annapolis Colts because, you know, they had Phil Rivers last year and the Colts were a top 5 defense. They have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL today. And, you know, last year that that playoff game against Buffalo, they just weren't able to get some plays. Um, but now they get a quarterback who has arm talent, can get the ball down the field. He can run with the football as well. Um, and he's really going to have to turn himself around because thing with Carson Wentz is that his injury history is such that he's missed time obviously um, and he's been he was sacked a whole lot last year I think he was sacked like 65 times or something like that last year and so that made him struggle as well because he was always like holding on to the football and then the O-line couldn't hold up and he got sacked and got pressured and so he didn't put forth the winning uh, product in Philadelphia and how things were handled by Doug Peterson towards the end of his tenure was tough, and I thought that the Eagles chose Doug Peterson over Carson Wentz, but the Eagles just cleaned house pretty much because with a new head coach, with a team that needs total reset and, re- and needs to rebuild in some kind of way, the Eagles made this move, and guys in the locker room were divided about Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts, and a lot of people felt like Jalen Hurts was given a, given a good opportunity. And you could just see how the Eagles spoke about Jalen Hurts in a way that Carson Wentz wasn't spoken about. Carson Wentz's biggest problem in Philadelphia uh, was being a leader. Being a leader in terms of like, you know, as a leader, you're supposed to help your team out in any way possible. And I guess when he was with Doug Pearson and Nick Foles, he was able to understand that. But when, he, when, when the Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts, when the Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts, it totally changed him. He felt like he had to look over his shoulder a lot. He didn't want that pressure. And most quarterbacks love the pressure, love the extra motivation. Like Aaron Rodgers, they drafted Jordan Love. They drafted Jordan Love. And Jordan Love was, you know, picked in the first round. But Aaron Rodgers took that as motivation. Like he saw, still, he still had a lot to prove. And we saw the kind of year that Aaron Rodgers had getting an MVP after that. So there's been many, many quarterbacks who get the right push, the right kind of from their coach and coaches want to see how their players respond to pressure and you know looking at Carson Wentz he felt entitled he felt like he had arrived in the NFL that he's been here for longer than Jalen Hurts Then you know why should he have to be on the bench while Hurts is starting so you know, you look at it and Carson Wentz going forward has to do two things to get his career back on track one he's got to get himself mentally right in terms of like He's got to understand that being a quarterback just means more than just showing up and playing games. It's not all about being the hero and being like trying to make all the plays in the world. You gotta let your team, your supporting cast, coach, your coaches, coach you up, coach you hard. And I feel like Carson Wentz didn't let Doug Pearson do that to an extent and Doug Pearson tried his best and it didn't work out. So with Frank Reich in Indianapolis, Carson Wentz has to be willing to be coached hard and to, to someone to point out his flaws and make him like work through those flaws to get better as a quarterback. Because the coach are a team that wants to contend for a championship. They have a good defense. They have a young running back in Jonathan Taylor who's exciting. They have an old line with Quentin Nelson. The offensive line is tremendous. So he has the pass protection. He has the running game and the wide receivers are there as well. So Carson Wentz is his chance to revive his NFL career. I think he needs to be right for this. He needs to understand that I got to be a good leader. I got to say the right things. I got to really win the locker room. He's got to win the locker room, win the, win the, you know, the trust of those guys in Indianapolis, because they are looking for a lot of things out of their team. They, they know they had a good team last year. They came up short in 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 the wildcard divisional round. I think. Um, so we definitely expect them to like be one of those teams in the AFC that will be contending for a playoff spot. And Carson Wentz, with his age and how he's looked in his NFL career, this might be his best chance to turn it around. And I really hope that he gets it uh, turned around because you know there's been a lot of quarterbacks since 2016 that have now you know changed franchises. I mean, look at. Just look at, you know, Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. Um, you know, I think Dak Prescott's the only one on the 2016 draft class being there. So, you know, maybe a change of scenery will do Carson Wentz good, but he needs to really take this chance. I mean, he's got a great supporting cast in Indianapolis. He's got a coach that believes in him, wants to coach him. And the Colts were linked to Carson Wentz for a while, ever since his, his report was out there. But in terms of the image that Carson Wentz left in Philadelphia, Philadelphia... I don't like Philadelphia as a sports town. I've always just had a hate for the Eagles because, I said, I was a Giants fan growing up, and we were always against the Eagles. But the Eagles overall, like, you know, if you're, if you're not winning, if you're not uh, being able to, like, go out there and win games and be a good leader, then people are going to say stuff about you. And I think all the criticism and all the negativity that, like, uh, that came towards Carson Wentz's direction when he, like, you know, had that report about, like, not wanting to be... Um, you know, not, not being a backup quarterback, saying his relationship was un, un, you know unrepairable with, with Doug Peterson Eagles management. The Eagles definitely um, you know hurt the situation as well. They have a big. They also messed up in this situation as well because of letting it get to this point where like, they didn't step on step in and like meet you know get too much involved in all these things. But you know Philadelphia um, just overall like the way they've been. I mean, they are a sports town that really values their players being, being able to win. And if they don't see that happening, like just like any sports town, they're going to say things. And Carson Wentz is going to have to, you know, realize that when he goes to Indianapolis, there's going to be a lot of attention around him also. And maybe it may not be as, like, you know. Intensified as the Eagles was was you know how the Eagles were asking him questions and reporting stuff. But he's really got to be able to step up and be a leader. He's got to handle the difficult questions, handle the different circumstances that thrown his way, and be better. So you know for Philadelphia, I mean they're going into a different direction. Jalen Hurts maybe their quarterback, maybe it'll be Justin Fields, maybe it'll be Trey Lance. But the Eagles are going into a direction where they're going young. They're gonna build their roster with a young head coach who hopefully will be able to do well but you know it's a really a shocking change of events for the Eagles in terms of how they were going about their business and like I said ownership has a role to play in this the coaching with Doug Peterson has a role to play and Carson Wentz also to a big extent didn't do himself any any good favors in Philadelphia so hopefully he can get it to click in Indianapolis hopefully the Colts will find a good answer on the quarterback because the Colts haven't had the best quarterback play I would say since Andrew Luck, if I'm being honest. I mean Brissett was okay, and then they had you know other situations in there, but like this is the quarterback that could possibly be their answer, and not like a one-year thing. Hopefully, it can be a longer thing for the Colts. It, it should should be that way, and so I really hope that Carson Wentz, the quarterback, successful, gets back to like talking and. So yeah, he hasn't talked publicly since this whole thing went down. So hopefully he steps up, talks to the media and Indy. Really does a good job of just doing the right thing, saying all the right things. He's got to put in the hard work this off season, um, because the Colts are banking on him to get him to the playoffs and to win in the playoffs. So in this next segment i want to talk about two players that are expected to be traded by their respective nba teams and obviously both are at a different point in their careers as i had mentioned before um blake griffin andre drummond two players that you know are definitely going to be traded because their teams are you know trying to trade them due to just disc- contract reasons and you know going in a different direction now in andre drummond's case he is 27 he's got a huge upside in terms of what he can do in terms of his size and rebounding ability so you look at that and a lot of teams are already going to be interested in andre drummond just because of his size what he can bring to the table and so you know andre drummond is a player that you know, will definitely provide a lot of scoring in some areas. He'll provide a shot blocking. And a lot of teams do need size in the NBA in terms of like crowding the paint and getting to you know getting those quality like rebounds and extra possessions They're very important. So I'm gonna go over two teams that I think should get under Drummond and will be the best spot for him. I think the first spot that jumps out to me would be the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics are a team that is trying to win. They've been very close the last couple of years in the Eastern Conference. Um, you know, we know what Jason Tatum brings to the table, what you know, Marcus Smart brings to the table. And they've been one of those teams that has a lot of shooting, guys love playing defense. And the one thing the Celtics haven't had uh, for a long time, I would say, is a true center, a guy who can give you 15 plus a night, can give you great defense, and give you good scoring. And while Daniel Theis for the Celtics is a young player, you know he's not doing it consistently enough. And so Andre Drummond would instantly, excuse me, make the Celtics more of a threat in the paint because they would have somebody who can. You know, run well with the team, crowd the paint, also do a good job defending um, any of the guards, the opposing guards that the Celtics have to face. And I think, you know, last season we saw in the NBA bubble how, like, the Miami Heat were driving with Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler into the paint. And the Celtics weren't able to always negate that. So you get somebody who can protect the rim, be able to get you those rebounds, get you that kind of effort you need, I mean he would be great for the Boston Celtics because they are a team that Danny Gange has been building for a while. They've been really close and they need someone who can give you that punch on the bench. He could be in the starting five as well. Um, and they just need scoring. They need scoring from their big men's. And I think that while the success of the Boston Celtics will come down to Jason Tatum and how he does over the next few years, it needs somebody who can do all the dirty work, and be that in a good way, in terms of, like, guys have to scrap for rebounds, you know, defensively make adjustments in plays, and Andre Drummond can do that. He's that great of a player that if he is in the right situation, he can definitely make it work with the Celtics. They will get somebody who would definitely help their rebounding, and... He would take pressure off Tatum and Smart, um, Jalen Brown especially. so I think that would be an excellent, excellent fit for him just because of the way that the Celtics play basketball and how they want to be able to run their offense. It would be truly great to see that happen. Um, And so if the Celtics were able to get him, they may have to give up maybe one of their guards maybe, possibly, or maybe just a draft pick. I think Boston still has some draft picks they could throw out the, the, um, at the you know, Cleveland Cavaliers. And so I think that would be a great move to make for the Celtics. And they should definitely go into all that. The other team that comes to mind is also in the Eastern Conference. And I think the West is just so loaded with big guys. And I just think the West wouldn't be good for Drummond. But the other team that comes to mind for Andre Drummond that I think would be a great fit is Charlotte. Charlotte Hornets have been uh, really good so far. I mean, they are currently, uh, you know, I think 7th in the Eastern Conference. And, you know, they have Cody Zeller and Bismack Bayambo at the center position. But Andre Drummond would definitely be better than both of those guys combined. It would be a really good starting five. You have, you know, Gordon Hayward there on the melo Ball. Uh, I mean, Charlotte would definitely be much of a more exciting team um, in terms of like how they can score. And like I said, this, uh, the Charlotte Hornets need to get obviously more better in scoring in certain areas. And I think that the Hornets are on the, on the come up. They've looked good this season. We know that LaMelo Ball is thriving right now, and he's possibly going to be Rookie of the Year. Gordon Hayward is doing well. And Drummond will get a chance to play for a city that, you know, is on the upswing. Yes, they've also been going, gone through their, their losing stretches of the NBA season. Um, but the Charlotte Hornets, you know, with Michael Jordan being there and the way they're trying to, like, get back to having teams to play really, really well. I mean, Drummond being in Charlotte would be, would be excellent. I mean, just seeing him being able to play with the guards there and being able to be the guy there in terms of like a team that, you know, Charlotte would definitely need the rebounding and Drummond has put forth memorable performances in terms of rebounding, like double-double rebounds throughout his career. So I think he would be an excellent addition to this team that they struggle at times to play defense um, and get stops. And so you get Andre Drummond um, in there, um, with the right amount of, you know, rotation and coaching, and he could he could be also be a good thing for the you know the youngsters in Charlotte, the shooters. Um, he could be good in the pick and roll situation, and so I think if the Hornets really want to be more of a, more of a threat in the Eastern Conference, they want to show teams that they have, they they have like just more than Lamelo Ball and Gordon Hayward. Bringing Andre Drummond gets a chance to be his his dominant self, he gets to show why he's one of the best players in the NBA, one of the best centers in the NBA, and he would definitely make that team more exciting and more hard to go against, especially with his size and ability, Um, you know, all around the floor, it would be a great addition for him. So now that brings me to Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin is 31, and Griffin is a player that definitely adapted and changed his game throughout the years he was really known for his dunking ability and just taking roles but he's done a good job to adjust his game to have a jumper to drive to the lane uh, he can be a good rebounder he can play good defense at times And so I think for Blake Griffin I mean he's looking for a situation hopefully that he can win and play for a championship uh, more so than I think Andre Drummond is gonna be able to do and couple of spots that come to mind for Blake Griffin. I think a really good spot for him in my mind would be the Dallas Mavericks. We know that Luka Doncic and Porzingis are doing their best to make the Mavericks a respectable team. Doncic has been an incredible start to his NBA career. Porzingis is also someone who has benefited uh, from a change of scenery and the Mavericks are Trying their best to win games to be more of a threat in the Western Conference, and I think the biggest thing for the Mavericks and the thing they struggle with is having like their second unit score points. You add Blake Griffin to that second unit, the Mavericks will be a much better team with Rick Carlisle coaching Blake Griffin, having Doncic there, having Porzingis, Tim Hardaway Jr. I mean, it would be a great fit for Blake Griffin. Situation where he could. Uh, you know, really provide a good like support to Luka Doncic in terms of what he does on the NBA court. And if he's able to get quality minutes in play, he would be great for the Mavericks. The Mavericks definitely need you know more shooting around them, and I'm sure they can work work their way around of terms of getting like Blake Griffin into that lineup. You know, they could obviously have to make some change at the center, you know, they may have to change some faces there but you get Blake Griffin in there you have somebody who can give you the size and ability to like he can play good defense he can stretch the floor and it would take the pressure off Doncic a little bit in terms of the front court so i think he would be a great fit for the mavericks considering how they've been over the past couple of years getting that kind of depth in their team would be great it would do wonders for their for their bench that is young and needs someone who can like carry the load for them offensively another spot I think that would be really good for Blake Griffin uh, to be honest it's a team that maybe um, will have a chance to get him depending on like the picks and stuff um, I think that the Miami Heat would, be, would do this to be honest the Miami Heat you know Yes, they have Bam Adebayo there, and you know, they obviously have some young talent there. But I think the Miami Heat would benefit from having someone who can like score off the bench and, and is a proven scorer. And so, you know, they're a team that I think would definitely benefit from getting Blake Griffin. Now, would they be willing to part ways with someone like Kelly Olinick, maybe? You know, Kelly Olenek or, you know, maybe Avery Bradley is possible. Uh, So, you know, I look at that and Kelly O'Linick is a nice player. Has been able to do a good job in the NBA career. But he's no Blake Griffin. And I think that the Miami Heat with having Butler and Drogic and Iguodala there. With Kendrick Nunn, Tyler Hero. I think that the second unit with Blake Griffin being there would do great. Miami has been known to be an excellent franchise for helping a lot of players. Jimmy Butler came to Miami. Look what he's become. So Le Griffin goes there. Pat Riley, Eric Spolstra. That kind of coaching, that kind of style and culture. Griffin would thrive with the Miami Heat in terms of just being able to be the lead guy on the bench to score, to provide different looks to the Miami Heat defense because the Miami Heat defense was really good last year. In the NBA bubble, and with Bam Adebayo there, with Blake Griffin there in the front court, possibly. I mean, the Miami he could go through a lot of different changes in their lineup and really make teams have to like go at them in the paint. The size that Griffin has, Adebayo has, I think that Miami would be be very challenging defensively for a lot of teams. And Blake Griffin, the way that he is able to shoot the ball, take it to the hole. I mean, he would definitely present a matchup problem to a lot of teams in the Eastern Conference and you know the Miami Heat are trying to win a championship and I think Griffin with that situation would be great I mean this team is struggling right now in terms of like getting wins and stuff and I think that Griffin could make them better maybe solidify some things take the pressure off the other big men on the team And if he's able to land the Miami Heat or the Dallas Mavericks, I think those are two ideal spots for him. Um, I think that Dallas will probably benefit having him more. But if the Miami Heat get involved or if if he's bought out by the Pistons, the Miami Heat should make this move. They need to surround their young talent with proven veterans. Butler has done that to an extent he's made the team better. Griffin would make their bench better in the, in, in, in the short term. And Olenek you know, is a nice player, but we haven't seen Olenek provide consistent scoring. And they need somebody to be there. If Adebayo, you know, ends up going out or he's not able to play as much, they need somebody who they can sub in and know that he'll give you, like, same kind of production and rebounding ability and the size to defend certain guards. Um, and players in the paint, so can't wait to see what these two players do, how the situations end up. Hopefully, when they go to these next teams, that they will be able to have a home there longer than they, you know, are having right now. Because you want to see these two players get back and, and playing basketball. It's unfortunate that their, their situations are this way, but both of them can be great to two teams that to a bunch of teams that. Definitely, neither. I think the Charlotte Hornets should, you know, definitely consider getting Andre Drummond. The Dallas Mavericks, if they're serious about building around Porzingis and Doncic, and get Blake Griffin in there. The Miami Heat, you want to challenge the Brooklyn Nets. You want to challenge the Milwaukee Bucks. The Philadelphia 76ers. You gotta be able to have some proven guys can shoot, can compete with those guys. I think Griffin, um, because of the way he has been throughout his career, has been underrated for a while, and I think he would definitely benefit from going to a Miami Heat team that's all about winning, playing hard basketball, and he would definitely make them much more better in terms of a matchup if they have to face the Bucs or the Brooklyn Nets. In In terms of bench and depth scoring, I think Blake Griffin will provide that in a lot of different ways for the Miami Heat if he gets there.